Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back to the Live in the Dream podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaletti, and I... What do I say about this next guest? You're going to be blown away by this man. Let me try to do him a little bit of justice by telling you some of the things he's done. This is Coot Blackson. He is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He is the author of the national best-selling book, You Are the One and The Magic of Surrender. He is widely considered the next generation leader in the field of personal development and has been featured on Larry King Now, Fox and Friends, Dr. Drew, and Inc. Magazine calls him the mindfulness guru billionaires go to for advice. That's B, billionaires with a B. His mission is simple, to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their life's purpose Welcome back to the show, Coot. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. That that smile, I hope you're watching this on YouTube because if you're not, you got to check it out because his smile will just light you up immediately. And congrats on the new book, my friend. It's an exciting time for you. Thank you. Very exciting. I got it in the mail the other day. There it is, The Magic of Surrender. Very exciting. I love the picture. Your energy, arms open, just looks amazing. We're going to get into the book very soon. But if you're up for it, I'd love to hear and I'd love to have you share a little bit of your background and let viewers know how you got to where you are now. Sure. Yeah. You know, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. I live all over the world these days and uh, currently was in Los Angeles for 20 some years, Phoenix, and then uh, now Miami. So I feel like I'm a citizen of the world. You know, my first memories as a young boy I always felt a deep calling to serve people in some way. I I was a very sensitive kid and I felt people's suffering of humanity, you know? And when I would feel that there was a deep desire to alleviate suffering, to alleviate pain in some way. I didn't know what that would look like. I didn't know how that would look, but I really felt it. And I I think from a very young age, I would see people suffering and it didn't, things didn't make sense to me because I look at people who had every reason to be happy and they weren't necessarily happy or fulfilled. And then I, then I was around a lot of people that didn't have a lot of money and reasons to be happy, yet they seemed fulfilled, happy, generous, loving. And so things didn't quite make sense. So I started to kind of explore and ask myself the questions, you know, who am I and why am I here? And what's the purpose of life? Is, is the purpose of life just to wake up, go to sleep, eat, you know, make babies, make money, buy a house, go on vacation, buy a car, and then die? Like surely there must be a a bigger reason and a bigger purpose for why we are alive, for why we are living this thing called life. And so that began a 
a quest for me from a very young age. One of my first memories too that really set me on the path and had a huge impact on my life was my, uh, I remember being a chubby kid uh, lost in the crowd in Ghana, West Africa, and I saw this crippled woman crawling on the floor and she picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing the same man whose hand she picked up, look at a woman in a wheelchair and he would say, stand up, why, why are you in this wheelchair? Look at a, a, a person with crutches and say, why, why do you have these crutches? Throw these crutches away, you're healed. And so this man was my father. He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, uh, hundreds of thousands of followers, literally, I mean, if not like half a million followers at his height of his ministry. He had a huge church in London. So when I was age eight, this is where my speaking career began. When I was age eight, I uh, was thrown into the audience and told to speak by my father. And my, one day my father said, my son's going to give the, the sermon today, the message today. And <laughs> so when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister in my father's church and I was designated the successor. I was designated the person, the guy that was going to take over and be the one that took everything to the next level. And everyone's hopes and dreams and aspirations pinned on me. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure. And so this was kind of how I grew up around these miracles or in this environment, miracles and and, and these sort of otherworldly things that just they were normal to me. So I grew up with this sense of possibility. But when it was announced that I was going to take over my father's church and operation, I knew that that wasn't really my path. You know, that sinking feeling that you get when you know that something isn't quite aligned. But at 14, I was too afraid to speak to my father. I was too afraid to tell him the truth. My fear was if I speak my truth to my father, my fear was, and if I dared to be myself, that I would not be loved, that, that I would be outcast, that I would be abandoned, that I would be left alone, that I would be rejected, you know? And so that fear is what kept me stuck from truly being authentic and, and, and expressing my voice. And I think many times that's the same fears that stop us in our life. We're afraid of the consequences of what happens if we dare to be who we really are. And so for four years, uh, Matt, I wrestled with it and wrestled with it and told no one. And, and there came a moment when I was 18 and I had to make some decisions about my life. And it was a pivotal moment because I think life is a combination ultimately and a collection of all the decisions we make. And it's the decisions we make that really set the course of our destiny in a given moment. One moment can set you in a whole different direction. And I turned 18 and I decided that I was not going to go to university. Everyone in my family, everyone in my community was deeply against this decision. I was pretty much standing by myself, standing alone. And uh, when I was 18, I, I looked into my future. And I saw the expected path, that if I took the expected path for my life, that I would be unhappy, that I would be miserable, that literally I could be successful by everyone's standard, by the world's standard, successful, famous, et cetera, et cetera. But if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my authentic truth, then what, what the hell do I have, you know? And and there was such a pain there when I looked into my future, age 20, age 30, age 40, age 50, age 60, age 70, age 80. And it just felt like a, a soul suicide. And then I looked at the path that I felt calling me. You know, I was, I was leaning into this path and I felt called to come to America. I felt called to come to the US. I felt called to come to California because all of the authors that wrote my favorite books 
We're talking about Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, you know, Dan Millman, uh, Louise Hay, you know, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor, all of these folks that I read about as a kid, they all seem to live in at least the U.S., definitely in California, most, most of them in Southern California. So I wanted to come to the U.S. to find teachers, to find mentors, to find, you know, to, to learn and go into this field. And so when I looked into this path over here, the path that was calling me, it felt right, but I had no idea how I was going to manifest it and do it, but I knew what I had to do. And I had the conversation with my father and I decided that, you know, for me, if I wasn't following my truth, then I wasn't really alive. You cannot be truly fulfilled being someone that you're not. And you cannot be truly fulfilled and happy living someone else's life. And I realized I was just living someone else's version for myself. I was living other people's hopes and dreams and desires. It wasn't, it wasn't my soul's truth. It wasn't my soul's expression. So that's when surrender started for me. I had to surrender to the deepest truth and the deepest calling in my heart and dare to go in that direction. And I uh, had the conversation with my father. We didn't speak for two years. You know, wow. it was very difficult. <clears throat> Sometimes people think that when you find your purpose and when you find your truth, it's easy. Hey, the universe opens, the, the violins play, the, the angels unfold. It's not always like that. Sometimes when you find your true purpose, that's when the challenge is. That's when the tests really uh, come to the forefront. That's when you're really tested. And to me, a lot of people, when they follow their path, when they follow the truth and the challenges arise, they think they're doing something wrong. But I tell people, no, it's not that you're doing something wrong. You're actually moving in the right direction. And the tests are simply the opportunity for you to step up. The tests are simply the universe giving you the opportunity to develop the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, the, the physical, the, the soul muscle to prepare yourself to be the person that is capable of fulfilling the dream or the vision. Let's look at Mandela for a moment. Nelson Mandela spent 20, like he was on purpose. The guy was on purpose, but he spent 27 years in prison. Like that's insane. That's amazing. That's crazy. That's, I could not even imagine what that took of him mentally, emotionally, but on some level, perhaps that was his soul's preparation to develop the depth of understanding, the depth of wisdom, the depth of vision, the depth of compassion, the depth of forgiveness, the depth of humility that, that prepared him to be able to serve at the level he was going to be serving at, you know? And so it was challenging, man, honestly. Uh, I sat down one day after not speaking to my father and said to the universe, universe, you've given me this dream. You've given me this, this desire to help people, to inspire people, to reach people. And here I am. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I have no support <laughs> from my father, no money, no college degree. What the hell do I do? Cut a long story short, I won a green card in the lottery. That's a whole other story. I won wow. a green card in the green card lottery. And, you know, maybe months later, I came to the U.S., two suitcases, knew no one in the country, $1,000, literally in my pocket or less, one suitcase full of clothes, one suitcase full of books, and uh, books that were really there to inspire me, and landed in Los Angeles, California, at the age of 18, 19, and just began. No idea what I was doing, no plan, no clue, no one I knew, just showed up, ultimately following the deepest truth in my heart. I think deep down, 
One of the things that keeps us stuck as human beings, one of the things that keeps us blocked from truly manifesting our greatness are all the ways we lie to ourselves. Deep down, like when my father said to everybody, my son's taking over, I knew the truth. I knew what the truth was. I knew that the truth, that this was not my path. And I think deep down as human beings, we all have a sense of the truth. We all have a sense of the deeper truth inside, but we often don't follow it. We often don't listen. We're often afraid to follow it because of the consequences. And I think there's a part of us that knows everything because at the deepest level, we are everything. We're connected to everything, but we often deny what we know. We deny the truth out of fear, out of self-protection, out of self-preservation. And so I think what's so important if people are really serious about transforming their life, about shifting their life, about beginning a process of surrendering to more, more abundance, more joy, more alignment, more purpose. We have to start by looking at all the places that we are lying to ourselves, all the places that we are not telling the truth to ourselves, and really have the courage to start telling the truth. And so look at, here's a few questions. What lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? Because many times we're pretending to not know. Like we play this game as human beings. I've played it. I think you've played it. We've all played it. A game of confusion. Like I'm confused. I'm not, I'm not sure what I should be doing with my life. I'm not sure what my purpose is. I'm not sure about this relationship when deep down we know we're just afraid. And so if we're willing to say, okay, here's what I know. Here's the truth. Maybe I'm not going to take action on it. Maybe I'm not going to end that relationship. Maybe I'm not going to leave my job. Maybe you're working a job that you hate, that you know is not in alignment, that you know is not your purpose. Maybe you're in a relationship that you know has, has been over and dead for five years, 10 years, but you're afraid to leave because of kids, because of what people will say, because of your parents, because, of, because you feel you've put so much into it because you're afraid of hurting the other person. And so I think if you're willing to begin by saying, this is where I'm at. This is the truth. I'm not happy. It's not working. I'm not fulfilled. It's not a lie. It's not in my integrity. Even if you don't take action, just owning the truth begins the process of setting you free. So what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? A place to start. Also, you know, what are the lies that I'm telling myself? What is it costing me? And, and just being willing to feel the pain being willing to feel the emotion of what it's costing you because not living our heart's truth costs us. If I look back and I, and I thought, wow, what if I followed the path that everybody wanted for me? At this stage of my life, I think I would be you know, emotionally dead knowing that that was not my truth. And so one of the ways that we continue to perpetuate keeping ourselves stuck is we deny, we disconnect from feeling the pain of the lies that we're living. Because if we don't feel the pain and we numb ourselves, we work it away, we sex it away, we drink it away, we social media it away, we, we distract ourselves from feeling the pain of something's off, Matt, something's not feeling right inside. No, 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 let me go to work. No, 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 no. let me eat some food. No, 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 let me buy some more stuff so I can make myself and pacify myself for feeling so that I don't have to feel the pain, then we just kind of continue down the path. And so I believe that pain is not necessarily bad. Pain is simply energy. Pain is simply feedback. Pain is simply a signal that perhaps a part of us is not aligned. A part of us is not living our truth. So if we're willing to then pay attention to where we feel pain, that will often show us where we're not living our truth. 
If we can really get into relationship with pain, make pain our friend, then we can use pain to recalibrate and bring ourselves back into deeper integrity. And so I came to the U.S., began my journey, went and met teachers and mentors and people I'd read about and, and then started my own thing. I started traveling the world in, in search of answers because I wanted more answers than I was getting in some seminars. And, and so I went to Israel in search of answers, studied with rabbis. I went to you know, Thailand, studied with monks. I went to India, studied with gurus, mystic saints. I went, you know, I went to Africa, studied with shamans. I went to South America and Peru and met shamans and indigenous people just on a quest for answers. And there came a point where I felt it was time to start working with people. And so many years ago, I started coaching people before coaching was popular and transforming people. And then that grew into one-on-one and one-on-five and one-on-twenty and one-on-a-hundred and one-on-five-hundred and just seminars. And it just, it really began growing that. And so I think, you know, when we follow our deepest truth and surrender to that, we will always be guided to the perfect place, to the perfect destination. It's just the pathway that we might have to take to get there might be not what we expect. Oh, my hand is hurting. I'm writing down all these questions to ask myself, and I hope you listeners and viewers are doing the same. Uh, What lies am I telling myself? What is it costing me not living my truth? I love the idea that pain is not necessarily bad, but it's feedback. So, Coot, I have to ask you, as you're moving towards your mission in life, because I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this maybe they are going after their dream or their dream is the side hustle and they're trying to make it their full-time thing. Did you ever question yourself as you had, I'm assuming had setbacks on your journey? Yeah. I mean, especially in those beginning moments, I think there was a lot of questions. Uh, Not because I doubted what I was here to do, but because sometimes it was so difficult and sometimes it was so challenging And so there were moments, there were for sure moments of questioning. But I think because I was aligned with my truth, because I wasn't doing it for money, right? It was never for money. Like, oh, how can I make money doing seminars? You know, I see a lot of people now that are getting into coaching, what have you, because it's a great income. Maybe they can make income, a second income, make money. But for me, it was never about money. It was about a mission. And it was the depth for me of of feeling the mission I was on and being in alignment with the mission, with the true purpose of my soul, that even when I questioned, even when I was broke, I remember there were times when I was literally homeless, uh, sleeping on friends' couches for months at a time in in the beginning stages. Literally, didn't know how I was going to eat. But I was obsessed with following my truth. And I'm not saying that's everyone's path. I'm not saying everyone should do it that way. I'm not saying quit your job right now and, you know, have no income. But because I knew that I was following my soul and I was on purpose and it felt right, yes, there were questions, but the questions didn't stop me from taking another step. The questions didn't prevent me. Yeah, I have questions. Should I give up? Should I not give up? But I couldn't because I knew this is the path. And so I persevered, you know? So I think we will always be tested. That's part of life, you know? Uh, But without a test, you don't have a, you know, my father would say this a lot too. Without a test, there's no testimony. The testimony is the fulfillment of your dream and your vision. So you've got to go through a test so that you can be a testimony for, for what's possible, right? And so tests and challenges are, I think, a true gift 
Because test and every test and every challenge and every difficulty I went through, the reason I say that they're a gift is they will force you to dig into parts of yourself. They will force you to dig so deep into your soul beyond what you are living, knowing, feeling, and demonstrating now. They will force you to access dimensions of yourself that have been hidden, that you didn't even know was in there, and that through accessing it will only cause you to get stronger and to grow. And that is the evolutionary gift of the challenge and the difficulty. And so I think when we realize that, then we're able to embrace the challenges when they arise. Then we're able, rather than resist the challenges, we're able to surrender to the challenges. Like, ah, one way is resistance. Oh my God, why is there another challenge? Universe doesn't love me. God hates me. Life hates me. Ah, here we are again. (laughs) Rather than say, wow, okay, here's another challenge. Because, and here's here's what, what I found. It's not like the challenges stop. There is not in life, there is not some perfect moment in life where you reach the mountaintop and the challenges stop. There's no more challenges. Boom, that's it. Eternal nirvana forever. It's not how it is. We live in a world of duality. We live in a world of change. We live in a world of constant up and down, yin and yang, black and white. There's no perfection out here. Life is a realm of challenges. And challenges are part of our evolutionary process. And when we understand that we are souls that incarnate into this human experience in this body as Matt, as Coot, as Susie, as Joe, as you know, whatever your name is as you're listening to this conversation, you are a soul that's incarnated into this human experience as you. And ultimately, the purpose of life is for us to learn to grow and evolve, learn, grow and evolve, realize more of who we really are and continue to grow. And so every single situation, every single challenge, every single relationship, every single difficulty is a vehicle is a classroom for your soul's growth and evolution. When you really kind of take on that understanding, like, oh, life is a classroom. Life is a classroom for my evolution. Life is a classroom for my growth. The real purpose of life is growth. Then you have a different relationship to the challenges. You have a different relationship to the difficulties. You have a different relationship to the hard times. Instead of going, why is this happening to me? From a victim standpoint, you surrender to the deeper soul lesson of, huh, why is this happening? Not why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Why is a different emphasis of what is the lesson for why I have attracted this challenge? What is the lesson for why I have attracted this difficulty? What is my soul seeking to learn in this relationship, even though it's difficult? What is my soul seeking to learn from this, this crazy boss, even though he's, he's, he's nuts? What is my soul seeking to learn from, from this romantic situation, even though it's tremendously challenging? And when we focus on that, I think it shifts the emphasis that gives us a different relationship to move through the difficult moments and challenges with a different understanding, with a different relationship, and maybe with a deeper motivation. Like the motivation for me has always been, how can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How can I become more of myself from this? How can I resolve whatever I need to resolve inside of myself to become the best version of myself through this? And that's what's also really helped me me move, move through things and move. One of the reasons too, 
I think it's important for people to understand as to why things don't manifest in people's lives and why sometimes there might be constant challenges and like, oh, my life is challenging. Uh, I'm not manifesting my goals, dreams, and desires for a few reasons. Number one, the first reason might be the goal, dream, and desire is not your authentic, highest soul's intention. Basically, what you want is not what you really want. It's just what you think you want based on who you think you are. And many times we're trying to manifest a goal or a dream or a desire that's not particularly authentically aligned. It's just we've been programmed to want that. You know, we've been programmed to live what our parent wants, what society wants, what media wants, what, what social media convinces us we should be living. So we're setting a goal that's not really authentic, so to speak. So that's that's one possibility. The other reason things sometimes don't manifest is we force, we push, but it's not the right timing yet. It's not the right timing in the universe yet. The other person's not ready yet. The business part is not ready yet. Your soulmate's not ready yet. So the timing isn't quite right. But many times what we try to do is we try to make things happen that aren't really yet to happen. It's like uh, baking a cake. You put the cake, you know, everything in, you put it into the oven. And then two minutes later, you're like, I want to eat the damn cake now. And you take <laughs> the cake out and you're like, I'm going to eat the cake. Sure, you can eat the cake, but it's it sure as hell won't be ready, right? It's probably not going to taste that great. It might make you sick. And so many times we're trying to force the cake to bake earlier than, it, than it's ready. And many times we're trying to force things to be something that they're not ready to be in this particular moment. And, and so we have to then trust the timing of the universe. And that's another level of surrender. You know, part of surrender, Matt, is the willingness to, shall we say, stop trying to force life to be what you think it should be. Part of surrender is stop trying to force, control, manipulate life to how you think it should be and the willingness to let go and give up the idea of who you think you should be. The idea of the life you think you should be living, because we have this idea of the life I think I should be living, who I think I should be at this particular age, the results I think I should have produced at this particular age compared to everyone else, you know, the way I think this relationship should be playing out. And so surrender is the willingness to let go of our idea of how we think our life should be so that we can truly open surrender and embrace the authentic life that is seeking to unfold, which may not be what we thought it should be. It might be different. And quite often, when we truly open to that and we, when we live in that surrender, life tends to unfold and work out better than we can imagine. We're often afraid that if, if I surrender and if I let go, then I won't get what I want. That surrender is passive. And if I surrender and I let go, I won't get that vision. I won't get that dream. I won't get that podcast. I won't get that project. I won't get the, the, the relationship. I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be living in the Himalayas somewhere with nothing. <laughs> what, what, what am I going to do? And so we have this, this idea of like surrender being negative, you know? And I'm actually saying, yeah, but what if you surrender your limited idea, because many times we have a limited idea based on our personality and our conditioning, we're not able to see the whole possibility, the whole picture, the big picture of life. And, and in our attachment to life being a certain way, it's got to be this way. It's got to be this person. I've got to be with this person. The life has to be this way. The outcome has to be this way. We end up holding on so tightly attached 
that we end up limiting life. We end up limiting the infinite expression of life. We end up limiting the miracles of life. And so to me, surrender is the, is the willingness to be open, the willingness to be available. Yes, you still give 100%. Yes, you still go for it fully. Yes, you still commit to what is true, surrendering to the deepest truth, and you give 100%, but you don't get attached. You stay open because perhaps in that openness, when you're truly surrendered and open, then you're open to the infinite ways that life can bless you, the infinite ways that life can manifest. So you're still doing your part, right? You're still doing your part, but you're also simultaneously available and open to the highest good, which the mind is not always able to see from its current perspective, because you know the mind is limited. It's a small lens through which we're looking through. We can't see all of life. We can't see 360. And so one of the reasons also <clears throat> that we don't fully manifest our goals, dreams, and desires is also because we, and this goes back to the earlier point, we haven't learned fully yet. We have not learned the lesson that we need to learn where we are at in the relationship that we're in. And as a result of not learning the lesson, you see, ultimately in life, all lessons are repeated until learned. And because we have not learned the lesson yet, we are keeping ourselves stuck at the current level of difficulty, of challenge. When we learn what we need to learn in a relationship, in a situation, in a dynamic, at work, then we, we graduate, we transcend that pattern, we transcend that dynamic, we transcend that situation, then we, go, we graduate to the next level, we graduate to the next lesson, we graduate to the next classroom. And that's what I believe unlocks the door to the next level of our manifestation and moves us out of that current level of, of challenge and difficulty. One of the things that we have to give up is the idea or is hoping for life to get easier. Like if I transform and heal and change enough, then maybe there'll be no more problems in life. Life is going to get easier. Instead of praying for life to get easier, surrender to the nature of life, which life is it's like pray. That's like praying for the ocean to have no waves, to be flat. <laughs> it's not that way. If you get into the ocean, there's going to be waves, sometimes a lot, sometimes less, but it's not going to be flat. It's just life. So we are in an ocean of life. And we're constantly trying to control. Imagine going to the ocean and you try to control the ocean. No, no waves. I mean, it's impossible to control the ocean. All we can control is how we surf the ocean, how we navigate the ocean, how we flow with the ocean, but we can't control the waves. And so uh, it's so important that we let go of hoping that life gets easier and we instead work to develop and expand and grow our mental, spiritual, emotional capacity through our meditation, through our exercise, through our yoga, through learning, through growth, through journeying, through all of the personal development and spiritual practices so that we can develop our soul force, our muscle, so that we can be more uh, equipped and prepared to, to deal with the challenges of life. I mean... I listen to you and it's it first off, it makes so much sense. And secondly, Coot, I just want to go outside and run a double marathon after listening to you talk. I'm like, you got me all juiced up over here. And if you're okay with it, I, I love and I'm fascinated by this idea of surrender, as I'm sure the listeners are as well. So the book, I mean, leads us right into this, the magic of surrender. Can you tell us a little bit about why you wrote it and what inspired yeah. you to dive into this? Sure. 
this was not, I mean, this book I'm holding here, for those that are on video, this book right here was not the book I thought I was going to write. Let's just, let me be oh. honest. Uh, it's a confession. I did not think this was going to be the book. I had no idea. I knew that there was a book that was coming through. I felt the energy, but I, I sat down, and it's kind of funny to think back now. I sat down and I had a whiteboard that was the size of a wall, and I wrote down hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ideas of this would be a great book, and that would be a great book, and this would sell, and that would sell, and people would love that title, and that would be a bestseller, and that, that, that. all of these great ideas of the book I thought I should write because I thought it would be great marketing and a great, you know, a great concept that maybe make a difference in people's lives. And then I had all of these titles, and then one day I was sitting there looking, trying to figure out which way am I going to go, and I literally felt the soul of this book reveal itself to me it just came down and it went boom and I became clear that this was the book you are going to write this is the book that is seeking to be written and then my job was to surrender to that surrender to that flow and I resisted it for a moment well, no it can't be okay I had to let go I had to surrender I had to move into acceptance and that was a surrender for me it's like okay I am I am in service to this book. And it's really not me writing the book. The book is already seeking to be written. I'm just here to be in service to the book. And that was a huge shift. And the real beginning, I think, seeds of the book came about because uh, after my first book, You Are The One, was a bestseller. I was traveling the world. Uh, I come home one day, get a phone call, and I hear that my mother has stomach cancer. And this was oh. the end of 2016. Yeah, and it was a very challenging time, a challenging moment. This is a woman I love the most, my best, you know, supporter in life. I mean, she's my everything, really. And we were very close, and it was a total shock. So I had this idea that I was, I basically started flying back from Los Angeles to London once a month for four or five days. I would be with her in chemo, take care of her. And I was I was intent on I'm going to we're going we're going to heal her we're going to keep her alive we're going to heal her we're going to re reverse this illness and she's going to live for another 40 years that was my intention and I went there and I spent time with her being with her in chemos I soon realized that no matter what I do no matter how much I pray meditate give her green juices to drink she's going to die and oh. I had to surrender to the reality that my mother was going to die and I'm not in control here. It became quite clear pretty quickly to me shortly after. And so that was a huge surrender and let, letting go of, okay, this, this is out of my control. Like this is out of my, I'm doing everything I can and it's out of my control. And so I had to let go. And when I, it was funny when I, was able to surrender to the process that was happening. It actually freed me up to be more present and love her even more fully because I realized I was not in resistance and I realized that every conversation I was having with my mother and every time I saw her and every voicemail that she left and every time we spoke, this could be the last time. And in, like embracing that reality and really 
not fighting that reality. Like this could be the last time I see her. This could be the last time I speak to her. Embracing that reality freed me to love her even more and embrace the moments even more because I wasn't hoping for another moment in the future. And that's what surrender, surrendering in that moment enabled me to do. And I think the real, the, the essence of the book or the seed of the book was planted during this year because she was, my mother was a very emotional woman, but she was very much at peace. She didn't cry. I mean, she knew she was going to die. She didn't cry. She didn't moan. She didn't complain. She didn't feel like a victim. She was at peace. And there was a moment when I understood why. The doctors told us directly in their office, nothing we can do, get your affairs in order. We don't know how long you have to live. In a nice way, they tell you, you're going to die, so get ready. Wow. And, and they say it could be days, weeks, or months, but it's not going to be years. And it was, it was hard. It was a hard moment. I'd been preparing for the moment, but it was hard. And uh, I was in the car and I looked at my mother and I said two things. I said, are you afraid? And she said, no, I'm not afraid. And I said, why? She said, because I know that I'm not just this body. I am a soul. And this body is just a vehicle. It's temporary. My soul won't die. My body might die. My soul won't. And I thought that was so powerful, you know? And, and then I said to her, can I do something for you as, a, as your son? Buy you something, take you somewhere. Like, what can I do for you that would help you? What can, what, what can I do for you? What do you need? And she looked at me and this was the key. And she said, there's nothing that I need from you, from life, from God. I said, how so? She said, the only thing I want is what God wants for my life. And I listened to that, not from a religious sense, but I thought she wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was just surrendered to whatever was the highest for her soul's destiny. And, and, and I just felt, wow, she has surrendered fully to life, whatever life brought her. That was her freedom. And you, can't, you couldn't fake that kind of freedom. She was free. And when she passed away, I, I realized that the key to her freedom was surrender and that surrender is the password to freedom. And I looked at her life, how she lived this her whole life. I looked at all of the great ones. We're talking Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad Ali, Gandhi, Bruce Lee, uh, Mother Teresa, Mandela. I mean, these great people at some moment, they all came to the point where they had to surrender themselves to something bigger than themselves. They had to surrender themselves to being lived by life, something bigger than this little old me. And when they surrendered themselves to life, to the flow, to the universe, to their destiny, and they stopped negotiating their, their destiny and said, okay, I'm ready, I'm available, universe, use me, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering to the mission of my soul that is seeking to express. That's when they tapped into an infinite possibility and that's when life used them. And so really what I'm saying, partly in this book, this book is about tapping into your real greatness, your real greatness beyond your personal power, beyond little old you, tapping into your true soul's greatness, which all of the great ones did. And it's through that surrender, they went beyond their own past, their own traumas, their own uh, you know, stuff, their own limitations. And what life was able to do through them was more than, than they could have done on their own.
and you look at it, you know, Mother Teresa, she just knew she wasn't anything great, but look what life did to her. And that's what I'm, what I'm inviting people to really realize, like, if you really surrender to life, to your soul, to yourself, to being lived, that's when you're in a zone of no limits and that's when magic can happen. That's when miracles can happen. That's when life can use you in ways that you cannot quite imagine with your logical mind. And so it's an invitation. Surrender is the invitation to take the limits off of life and show up. So again, it's not about just being passive. It's about being active. You know, I mean, Mandela wasn't passive. Uh, Martin Luther King didn't sit at home and just <laughs> twiddle his thumbs. They surrendered and they went into action. They surrendered and they went into action. So a key question people can ask themselves. And for me, what I'm inviting is a new paradigm, a new paradigm, a new way of thinking from personal power to soul power, right? It's a new, slightly new paradigm. The old personal development way of doing things is, here's the question, what do I want? What do I, Matt, who, what do I want? But the I is limited, you know, the I can't see the total. You know, I'm sure Mandela didn't want to spend 27 years in prison. <laughs> True. Not that we're not that we will all spend 27 years in prison, and not that that's what surrender means, right? But I'm sure he of his Nelson self didn't want to spend 27 years in prison. But on some level, his his soul's journey. Like, what if he didn't spend that time in prison? Would he have been different? Would the world have been different? Would the, would the impact have been different? Probably, probably for sure. I mean, spending 27 years in prison given the time to think, to develop, to prepare himself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, but it also gave him a depth of understanding and credibility and a respect that like, whoa, if a guy can spend 27 years in prison and come out forgiving people, come out at peace, come out not bitter. I mean, you kind of listen to that sort of being, right? Versus he spent two hours in prison. Yeah, okay, it's not the same. And so... The question I'm inviting people to ask is not, we've been, we've been kind of conditioned to ask, what do I want? I'm actually inviting folks to ask, what is it that life wants to express through me? What is it that the universe, and actually sitting quietly, Attuning, listening, what is it that life wants to express through me? What is it that the universe wants to express through me? What is it that life wants to manifest through me? What is it that the innate intelligence of life wants to create through me? And being still and listening and opening to that. To me, this is the key, opening to that. And that's the magic, you know? It may not always take us where we think, but it will take us I have found things often work out better than we can imagine. And that's, that's the beauty, you know, that's the magic. Many times, one thing I'll say is this might give people a bit of a framework, right, in terms of just surrender. I've been saying recently that there's like seven phases of surrender. I'm just kind of making this up as a, as a bit of an understanding so we can grasp. That first level is pre-surrender. That first level, we'll call it denial. Denial is when... You don't even know. You're not even conscious. You're just living your life, a life that you think is yours. But the degree to which we're conditioned and unconscious is the degree to which we're not free. We're just living 
a life that's been kind of passed down to us from our conditioning, from our past, from our generations, from our programming, from our parents, from our grandparents. And so we're just living the life that we think we should be living, not even sure if it's the life that we really want and we're just living it, we're not conscious. So the first stage is we're in denial. We're just in denial. We don't know that we're lying. This is what I was born into. This is my religion. This is my belief. This is how I see life. This is the way life is. I don't know if I believe it or not, but it's just what it is. Right. And so we don't question in this space. Then the next phase, we maybe listen to your podcast, read a book, and we start questioning. Wait a second. Wait a second. Maybe there's more to life. Maybe when I'm living in this job, it's okay, but I feel like I'm here to do more. We're not sure what it is, but there's a there's a stirring that happens. There's a questioning that happens in this phase. There's something that bubbles like, uh, maybe the life I'm living is not quite the authentic life I'm meant to be living. I'm not sure what it is I'm supposed to be living. So we start the process of questioning. The process of questioning can be very scary for us. And the reason the process of questioning can be very scary is because it requires us to, let's say, let go of what we know, to let go of our identity, to let go of things from the past, let go of old structures. And there always comes a moment in life where the life that we have created maybe is now becoming too small for what our soul is seeking to express. And so now we start questioning, but this can be scary because, uh uh-oh, what if what I've been living isn't? What if who I've been married to isn't? What if the religion I believe and everything I know about myself isn't? Then who am I? without all of that stuff, right? Who am I without my beliefs, without my ideas, without my religion, without my, you know, thoughts, without my emotions? Who am I without all of that? Uh Uh-oh, I'm not sure who I am because we're so identified. So what happens is the next phase where we begin to resist. The resistance starts. And as human beings, we're constantly resisting like, And that's what, how we do life. We're in so many ways, constantly resisting the next level, constantly resisting who we are, constantly resisting a deeper truth because we get comfortable. So the resistance is a mechanism that the ego uses to keep itself safe and to preserve its current identity. Resistance is that next phase. Then we resist, we resist, we resist. Things still don't quite open up, of course. Uh, then we start negotiating. Right. Well, I don't know if you've done this, man, but you start negotiating. Maybe I don't have to let that go, even though it's not working, but I can hold on to this and do that. Doesn't really work that yep. way. I'm in this relationship that I know is not right, but maybe I wait till someone else shows up till I let this go. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, really work, doesn't really work that way. Maybe I'm in this relationship I know is not right for five years, but you know, they've got a lot of potential, man. They, 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 she's got potential. I think she, she can change. She hasn't changed in five years, but maybe. You know, so, so we start negotiating with life, negotiating our destiny, but there comes a moment, and that's just the way to keep ourselves stuck. And this is the zone, resistance and negotiation, where we start rationalizing and we start lying to ourselves, right? And that's when that starts. So the negotiation begins. This can go on for many people for an entire lifetime. This can go for 20 years, 25 years. I know some people that have been married and they've been negotiating in their mind for 20 years. When the kids, when this, the grandkids, this, that, 25 years go by. Now they're 65 thinking to themselves, why the hell did I waste these 25 years in a marriage, in a situation that I knew wasn't right? I've wasted all this time. So I think there comes a moment 
where you have to realize the sooner this happens, the better, where no matter how much you negotiate with the truth, no matter how much you negotiate with reality, nothing changes. It's not going the person is still who they are. My husband is still who my husband is. My boss is still what it is. The situation is what it is. My financial situation won't change. This is, this. my, my health is what it is. Negotiating doesn't work. Maybe I can eat a Big Mac a few times a week and not work out and be healthy. Doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, I don't really want to make the changes, but I want to stay healthy. Doesn't work that way. And so there comes a moment where you stop negotiating and you move into a state of acceptance. Acceptance is key. We hear about accepting what is, right? Accepting what is, accepting reality. This is a key phase. In order to change reality, you have to accept reality and bring yourself into relationship with what is, into relationship with reality as it is right now. This is key. However, here's a key. Acceptance, most people stop there, does not necessarily mean surrender. Surrender. It doesn't. Some, some people are, I'm accepting and life's still, still not working. But acceptance does not necessarily mean surrender. See, you can be in acceptance and internally still be resisting. There's still, for instance, it's raining outside and I wanted to go run outside. I wanted to go hang out, out take a walk. And so it's raining outside. I accept that it's raining outside, so I take an umbrella but I'm still pissed off. I'm still upset. I'm still mad that it's raining outside and I'm grumpy holding the umbrella outside. I'm pissed off, man. Like, why is it raining outside, Matt? It shouldn't be raining outside. And I, you know, all the reasons to be miserable for why it's raining outside. But we're in acceptance because we've got the umbrella and we're still in acceptance, but we're not truly in surrender. Okay. Surrender is the open-hearted participation. The open-hearted participation with the process of life, with what is arising, where you open-heartedly, you throw your arms in, it's raining outside, let's all go run outside in the rain. It's raining outside, let's have a dinner at home and invite the family and have an intimate you know, time together, connect, talk, bond, commune, and celebrate and use the rain. Like, let's open, surrender to what's happening and fully open-heartedly participate with the experience. You know, it's interesting. This is why uh, I didn't think about it at the time, but this is why this picture, rep- it was on this cover because it represents surrender as the open-hearted participation, not the begrudging participation. Oh, okay, <laughs> I will do it. You know, that's that's not surrender. It's the open, and to really, and, and there's a key to unlock that door. There's two keys. Number one is the belief and understanding. If you really kind of adopt this belief, that the universe is always working for your highest good and the universe will always bring you something better. So that means if the universe is always working for your highest good, if a relationship doesn't work out, if a, if a situation doesn't work out, let's say a relationship doesn't work out, someone leaves, someone breaks up, some, it, it, it's over. If the universe is always working for your highest good, that means something better is actually about to happen. Someone better is about to show up in your life and the right moment. So let that person go, you know, and, and a key to surrender then is curiosity to be curious, to be curious. Like, huh, I don't know what this means, but it's interesting. Huh? And a key to surrender curiosity and the willingness to drop the need to understand what something means. Because many times when something happens or something doesn't happen, we are making up in our mind, 
ah, uh, this is what it is. This is what it means. This is what she is. This is what, and then we already fixed to a point of understanding of what we think something means that it might, it might not be. How many times have we thought that something was something, but it wasn't? How many times have we thought, I've met the one and they weren't, you know? I'm sure I've met them. Well, I guess not a year later or three months later. And so when we fix to what we think we know, so surrender is the willingness to give up the need to know and the willingness to embrace the unknown. The degree to which we are able to embrace the unknown and allow ourselves to be guided, allow life to lead us, rather than us leading life, life which has been around for billions of years, allow life to lead you, tune in, follow the energy. This is part of surrender. Part of surrender then is also the willingness to surrender to the lesson, we talked about this earlier, the willingness to surrender to the lesson that is arising in every situation and experience. And so even if it's challenging, even if it's difficult, you're able to throw your arms open and say, okay, this is a difficult situation, but I can learn the lesson here. And even if, the, even if you don't win or get the outcome, so long as you learn the lesson, that is the win. And so surrendering to the lesson is key in that next stage. Between acceptance and surrender, a lot of people don't make the leap from acceptance to surrender because they miss the stage in the middle. The stage, here's the key, I call it grieving. Most people do not honor and allow the process of grieving. Surrender is a death, a death of an idea, a death of a goal, a death of who you thought you should be, a death of a relationship, death of a person. It's a death of something old. And when we don't allow ourselves to grieve, we carry the old sadness, the old pain, the old hurt with us into the new. And because we're carrying that, that old energy stays in our hearts and there is a part, there will be a part of ourselves that won't be fully open and available to the new, the new life, the new relationship. And so we're often afraid of grieving fully because we're afraid that it doesn't feel good. We're afraid that it will last forever. We're afraid that it will overwhelm us. Sometimes one of the reasons we don't allow ourselves to grieve fully is it's an unconscious way to hold on to the past because if we grieve, that means we, we might have to let that person go. We might have to let that relationship go. But if we don't grieve, we can kind of hold on to them with the future hope that it might happen. So not grieving can be a way of still holding on to the old. Right? And one of the reasons I see people also not grieve is kind of a spiritual bypass reason. The idea of, hey, Matt, I want to stay in a high vibe, high vibe. High, I've got to be in a high vibe, law of attraction, high vibe. I don't want to acknowledge the grief. The thing is this. If you don't acknowledge the grief, it stays stuck in you. That is a vibration. That is an old energy. And by not acknowledging that grief, that vibration, it stays in your body, in your physiology, in your heart, in your nervous system. Energetically, what you will end up attracting to you is more situations to reinforce the grief that you've suppressed and haven't felt. The quickest way to raise your vibration to a higher level is to let go, is to feel, to honor your feelings, to experience your feelings, and to let go of the grief 
And grief will happen in stages. It's not just one moment. That can be a whole other conversation because all feelings remain present until fully felt. All feelings that aren't given the healthy time and expression tend to manifest in unhealthy ways. So feel your feelings fully with awareness and every feeling has a cycle. And when we feel them, they will naturally begin to dissolve. When they dissolve, our vibration rises, we are lighter, we then start to magnetize the next level. And so then we move, grieving is actually a pathway to surrender in a certain way, true open-hearted letting go. Then when we surrender, we move into that next phase, which is magic, which is flow. And you know you're in that flow when it feels like you're working with, with nature. You know you're in the flow where it feels like things are happening that you could not have planned, synchronicities, people showing up, situations, moments, unexplainable events. It's like nature is rising to support the fulfillment of your highest destiny. That's surrender. You don't need to know where you're going in order to get to exactly where you need to be. But there's something in you that knows. And when you're in a state of flow and surrender and magic, things happen that you could not have planned with your mind because you're tapped into infinite possibilities. I'm speechless, Cute. I mean, that is the the seven, I guess, technically eight stages eight. of surrender that you went through. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is so unbelievably impressive. And, and you just lay it out so simple for all of us to attack. And the, the book is The Magic of Surrender. And actually, when this comes out, the book will be out. So, Cute, tell everybody where they can get the book and where yeah. they can follow up with you. For sure. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's just great to, to be on again. The Magic of Surrender book, here it is. Here's the yeah, cover. I love that picture. What's funny is when the publisher sent me this picture on a document uh, in an email, I was like, I hate this cover. The cover's terrible. I hate <laughs> it. Honestly, I hated it. And I was like, I need to think about this. This is this is. And so I surrendered to it because I thought, you know, it's right. And now seeing this cover live, I'm like, wow, I love this cover. And so it just goes to show sometimes what we think is not, you know? And, and so, yeah, folks, you can get the book, The Magic of Surrender at www.themagicofsurrender.com. That's themagicofsurrender.com. You go there, you'll have the opportunity to go to Amazon or wherever. Get the book, then come back, enter your name, uh, email, and receipt. And I'm giving a whole bunch of free gifts. I'm, do, I'm giving you a free seminar uh, on the magic of surrender, going deeper into these seven to eight phases. Uh, you get free gifts in terms of videos, audios, meditation trainings. I mean, I'm giving away so much stuff, I even forget myself. But if you go to the magic of surrender, you can find out more there. A couple more ways my website is kublaxon.com. You can get uh, more info on my work there. Uh, if you feel ready to go to the next level, you can go to www.boundlessbliss.com bali.com find out about my 12-day event in bali uh, in december there and i'm on social media facebook instagram we'll link all that up in the show notes too and please definitely follow this man on instagram because he will he will get you moving for sure and thinking which i think is awesome i can't thank you enough again for coming back on cute this is your no, your knowledge and the way you speak and how powerful your voice is you can just tell you're all in on this and your passion is so i can just feel it and i appreciate your time my friend appreciate you thank you all right 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, I am watching you. (laughs) Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker. At Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks and I love you so much. Oh,